This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big Eight tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Strick and Austin. We were on the left block before, now we're on the right block. Switch sides here for hour two on the block. I'm Austin Norman. He's Eric Strickland back with you again for the next hour or so here on 93.7 The Ticket. Thanks for being along for the ride uh, today and every day, including tomorrow. Uh, We will have one more state baseball game for you, but that's a 7 o'clock first pitch uh, from up in Omaha. So regular lineup of shows today and tomorrow for you. Uh, also, regular sponsor of the show, Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. Big shout out, Charles and his crew down there at Mary Ellen's uh, 27th and Pine Lake. All right, Strig, we're talking leverage in the second hour here because it's loaded. There's a lot that goes into it, a lot of different angles to go. Yeah. Earlier in the show, you mentioned John Moran saying he was going to get leveraged pretty hard. How so and by who? So what ends up happening is very similar to what happened with Bridges. Bridges was in line to receive um, a, a max contract, which at the end of the day, once that whole situation went down, he lost all leverage. They don't care about how many points you scored, how well you did, if you made all NBA or none of that stuff. You already see the loss of 30, I want to say 38, 39 million because he missed, not because he wasn't playing at that caliber, but he missed it because of the situation he gets left off. So that's the signal or the start of the downward trend of leverage. Um, An example, leverage with John now is going to be we can't market you we can't um you know put you as the freight face of this organization um there's not much in the community we can do with you so yeah we want to pay you uh, a max contract but uh we just can't because that would be a loss for us. That is that is now the leverage has shifted in in Ja's situation. The only way that he can change that is he's got four years, and I, I still think he's not going to max out on his money. He's going to if he continues to play at a high level and make make he probably won't make All NBA next year, but it, he could maybe in year three if he does in year four. Then you 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 can start to retain leverage again. Um. Leverage works in a lot of different ways. For example, um, I had an agent that was trying to get me to sign a six, seven year deal starting at a minimum of, you know, with like, I think at that time I was making 360 something thousand. He tried to extend me out, said it was for, um, you know, longevity, basically. You know, you know, you're going to get this similar to what happened with Pippen. You know, Pippen kind of got into a similar situation where he took the long term 
he didn't bet on himself and so forth. Well, I did. I said, no, um, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And so I ended up playing, having a great season. I ended up getting a new agent. My dad and I negotiated up to about 1.25 with, with the organization. We did that. So we hired an agent and we said, we, if you are able to get us be of, above that, we'll pay you the difference between that and the between 1.25 that and whatever that was but you you can't get credited for that but then i had to go in and create leverage had to bet on myself and go to summer league where i averaged like 26 points i played like two Ooh. or three games i averaged 26 points that was good but then i still had to create it so i knew i didn't want to go to denver but I went to Denver because Denver was interested in me. I went to a camp, played pretty well against Chauncey Billups there. He just got drafted there, played real well. That was enough. The possibility of me going to Denver created leverage that had them to come up and start me at 1.6 as opposed to 1.2. That's how kind of leverage is, is, is created. So what you're seeing in sports now is you're seeing a lot of individuals finding these means, ways, methods in order to create leverage. Some of them do it like leverage was created by, like, for example, James Harden by getting fat. <laughs> he wanted out. So he gets fat and, he, you know, kind of haphazardly doesn't want to play and he creates leverage that allows you to get moved. Right. Um Aaron Rodgers created leverage in in the way of I might retire ayahuasca and go out into the you know what I'm saying the great good night and, and have a revelation. Tom Brady created leverage in the way that you know I may retire, you know, I'm going to go down here, do this. He had great leverage with Miami, but that got unearthed. So there there's mm-hmm. there's different people that are doing it in different ways. Sometimes it's just going the possibility of you going to another team. The possibility of you going to a team in the same division. The possibility of you going for nothing at the end of the day creates leverage opportunities for either the player or the team uh, to be able to. Now, baseball is a little bit uniquely different and sometimes in that they have what they call arbitration. Mm-hmm. So you go to the arbiter and you have to deal with all uh, the legalizations of that stuff, which creates a different type of leverage uh, at the end of the day. So that's what you're going to find in some of these situations. Jaw, I think, is going to get leverage down. I think Bridges has gotten leverage down. They won't. He won't be able to make anywhere clearly. Ne- he will probably never make that up again. Like, he will probably, in the rest of his career, never get to that amount again, right? So leverage has to be created. Um, And so what you're starting to see now is, you know, uh, coaches do it. Um, Bob Bob Myers is uh, telling everybody, you know, he created a dynasty. He's telling everybody at this point that, um, you know, I might be leaving. I might be done which is a possible negotiation tactic to get them to raise the bar and him the leverage to stay. So 
it happens more than you think. All over the place, because leverage, like you said, Strick, takes on a lot of different forms. I mean, Sean McVay, now is he going to go to the broadcast booth? You know, that sort of thing. Even Tom Brady with that contract, you know, with Fox. That's leverage for, for those guys. Yeah. You know, pay me more, and now listen to what I have to say, yeah. or I walk. On the flip side of that, I think of, you know, teams having leverage, where, to, to use a baseball example, a lot of times, Strick, we'll see guys that, especially from the international draft pool, that maybe didn't grow up with a lot of money. You know, they were founded, they're, they're international academy by a team, they rise through the majors pretty quickly. A team sees that they're talented, and they lock them up for a lot of years for less money than they would have made. As opposed to, say, Scott Boris, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, mega agent. Wouldn't ever do that. He only represents guys that he he tells to bet on themselves. Right. You know, only the highest of the highs. You know, don't sign this team-friendly extension. I can get you more in free agency if you perform well and if you trust me. So in some cases for the teams with some of those guys that, you know, maybe didn't come from as much, those are the ones maybe you target for extensions earlier that are team friendly because that's, I mean, it's a lot of money for everyone, but especially for them. Whereas guys that, you know, maybe had, you know, major league baseball players, a parent, you know, I'll use Bobby Witt as an example for the Royals. There have been, you know, rumblings that they're starting to talk extension with him. But he has a big agent. His dad's a former player. He's a number two overall pick. The odds of getting him to sign an extension are so much lower than even like what the Braves did with Albies or Acuna Mm -hmm. coming out of, you know, those lower places. On the flip side, players can lose leverage so fast. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think of, Strick, a guy like Antonio Brown, who continually thought he had more leverage than he did. Yeah. Because I think we see over time in sports – Teams are willing to listen and to give in to to kind of placate a star player as long as their production and their talent on the field are worth it. Mm -hmm. As soon as the antics and the demands outweigh the production, in the team's eye strict, the players lost all the leverage. Yeah, um, but I'm going to throw one at you that has been out there. And do we have some tickets to give away or something? We do have Salt Dogs tickets, yes. Look, look, we'll, we'll give away Salt Dogs tickets. Uh, for this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to give away some tickets because I'm about to talk about a player in the 90s, one of the greatest players in in, in sports, um, had super leverage, and not a lot of people knew the details behind the leverage. If you can, on the Sutter Heyman text line, be first – at 402-464-5685 to tell me the player that had super leverage it is an it, it is a it is a team that is in the eastern uh half of the country this player is one of the greatest to ever play of his sport and so it is a he Mm-hmm. If you can name who that player is and who I'm about to say <clears throat> had a serious leverage situation that most people don't even know about, we'll give away those tickets to you uh, free. Um, so <clears throat> this this particular player had a situation where at this point, no, no Lawrence Taylor, no Barry Bonds, no Dennis Rodman. This player had a situation. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start to r- r- run off the situation. Um, he was basically playing on the cheap, cheap, the low, low at the bottom of the barrel compared to what his 
game skill set was. Um, this man um, did win some championships. All of a sudden, it comes up, and his contract is is uh, still is still in. But there's another player uh, in the eastern half of the um, the country that had the highest contract in the league of that time. Next thing you know, the the staff, the organization, the GM says we are going to rip up this contract. And there's no one that can pay him what we're about to pay him. But we know this. We just know that there's no one that can can match this number. So we're going to give him 20 million. We're going to give him 20 million. Which at the time for this sport was was that eye popping. Was eye popping, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, um, there's some discussions being made. He's like, you know, him and his agent. He had one of the best agents in in the world. His agent basically says, "Bump that." Uh, we got a deal on the table with a team that if you don't get up to twenty five million he is not going to be on your team any longer. He is going to be on your rival team. Has anybody hit it yet? No. We have some people getting close. Some guys are getting close. He is going to become your rival. We have a deal, and here's the deal. This team has an ownership group. Part of that ownership group was ITT at the time. ITT was the owner or could be still the owner. I don't think they are, but was the owner of the Sheraton Hotel Chains. They hatched a plan with this particular agent to get this player there. The Knicks were going to force over $12 million, so you know who the team is, uh, in salary cap money. And ITT, the owner of Sheraton, was going to give him $15 million to be a sponsor of the team. So basically, they that's how they were going to get him paid. So usually the NBA would kind of eyebrow that situation with the rock eyebrow. <laughs> you know, I can't do it. Eyebrow. They would hit him with the people's eyebrow. But they it's based on, you know, basically – your marketability. So mm-hmm. they couldn't fight it because this particular player's marketability is maybe the most marketable player of all time. It may be. Might have a movie out somewhat recently. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff. They talk about this man. Mm-hmm. Play some golf. You know what I'm saying? Flip some coins. Yeah. Love some Vegas. All of that. There we go. We finally got it. Travis and Lincoln, you are the boy. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Unnamed texter. We need to know your name. 5675 unnamed texter. Yes, it is Michael Jordan. A lot of people do not know that Michael Jordan was inches close to becoming a New York Knick. It got that close that Reinsdorf basically had to rip up the contract. David Falk called up Reinsdorf and said, if you don't get to I think twenty five or thirty million. Uh, he's gonna be a Nick by the time this is over with, and he ripped up that contract and made it happen. 
That's how close Michael Jordan came to becoming a New York Knicks. Would That's it have, leverage. Would it have benefited the Knicks more, or would it have hurt Chicago more? It would have definitely. Could you imagine the Knicks with Michael Jordan and Ewing? Woo. Like, uh, just, just think about this. Michael Jordan did what he did with Bill Cartwright, Bill Winnington, uh, Luke Longley. Are you freaking kidding me? Now, look, Pat Ewing, look. MJ could have relaxed on on any night, did what he wanted to do, and guess what? It wasn't that the whole team played D. He reunited probably with Oak. Mm-hmm. I, you might even be able to keep Starks. You got who's the point guard at the Derek Harper, D. Harp, Mike Jordan. Starks, Oak, and Ewing. They're sweeping everybody out the East. It is a wrap. You put that team together. Reggie Miller and that crew has no chance when you talk about that matchup. I mean, that's just me spitballing. You, If you think I'm crazy, um, shout it out on the text line. But the Knicks would have been unbeatable. And I don't care what Shaq uh, – all of them, Shaq, Penny, all that team would have been unstoppable. Speaking of Shaq and Penny, Orlando was apparently very close to getting Tim Duncan at one point, too. Ooh, I did remember that. That's leverage. That's what we're talking about. He leveraged that, got paid. The biggest leverage job, this person created everybody's money. That It was so much to the point where they had to put it on scales. Let's do four more Sell Dogs tickets if people can name this person. Four more. This individual is a coach now. This individual played with a group of individuals that have a nickname. This individual started his career uh, in the, what they call, uh, what do they call uh, the Virginia... Uh, The DMV. He started his career in the DMV. This individual played a long time also down in Florida. He was a a towel waver. He was a clapper. He was a big-time cat that just was – he was like a Udonis Haslam. Um, This player is a college coach now. And let's leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Let's go to break. I have a question about leverage on the other side for you. Kind of tie it all together. Yeah, so. yeah. Justin, Justin Martison, you win it. Jawan Howard. He, when he got that money, every power forward in the NBA was leveraging that money he got off of what they were about to get and more. KG, mm-hmm. Duncan, all of them, everybody won off of Jawan. Everybody won off of Jawan Howard. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic stuff. We'll keep it rolling when we get back here on the block.